Good evening. On behalf of our entire Mayflower Church staff family, we welcome you, uh, those of you that are with us here in person and those of you that are streaming from home. Um, I'm Scott Bosher. I direct the Chancel Choir here at Mayflower Church, and we welcome you this evening. We have over 20 instrumentalists of varying ages and experiences up here ready to lead us in carol singing. In addition to carols sung by us, tonight's program includes instrumental arrangements, stories of carols, poetic readings, and hot chocolate and cookies in the atrium afterwards. If you're new to Mayflower and would like to receive information about our music programs, please fill out the information on the back page and hand it to an usher or bring it to the church office. As we move towards winter and our day's light is shortened leading up to the solstice, we are surrounded by holiday cheer and the excitement of Christmas. We find ourselves humming traditional carols for the memories and warmth they bring to our heart and mind. Singing carols is both pleasurable and powerful for their simple, beloved melodies. One of the reasons Christmas carols bring such a sense of consolation and connection is surely their familiarity. Most of us have sung them since our preschool days. And we pride ourselves on knowing the words. We feel the need irresistibly to join in. As the word carol, which means a joyful song, suggests, carols bring us together, and they connect us in groups of shared experiences and feelings. Christmas carols connect us with religious messages contained within the songs. But more than that, people sing carols to connect with a sense of tradition and community. Winter celebrations have a long history the world over. Connecting together and singing helps considerably in times of darkness. We begin tonight with one of the most inspiring caroling stories, a story that has nothing to do with the roots or the meaning of carols at all, but rather how the songs inspired people to generous action. In 1914, during the first Christmas of World War I, referred to as the Christmas Truce, it is said that both the German and English soldiers stopped fighting temporarily to celebrate the Christmas holiday together. It is believed that it was through the power of carols that this happened. So the legend goes, when the British heard the Germans sing their first carol, in retaliation, the British sang the first Noel, which was consequently followed by a string of carols between the front lines. When the British started singing, O Come All Ye Faithful, to their surprise, the Germans joined in by singing the same tune to the Latin words, Adesti Fidelis. Go on, sing out and make Christmas about a sense of community coming together again.
Recognized as a patron saint to the Czech Republic, good King Wenceslas wasn't really a king at all, but rather a man known for his great acts of charity. Wenceslas I, Duke of Bohemia, was assassinated by his own brother and posthumously declared a king and eventually upgraded to sainthood. His story was made into a Christmas carol by hymn writer John Mason Neal in 1853, almost 1,000 years after he died. It's become one of the best-loved carols ever written and was even performed by the Beatles. Thank you. That was really something. I enjoy that. One more time.
Hi, my name is Anne Marie Church, and I'm also a member of um, Mayflower Congregational. Next, we have a Christmas song whose original tune might still be more famous than its seasonal lyrics. What Child Is This is set to an old Renaissance-era love song called Greensleeves. Starting in 1580 in England, a series of folk songs and ballads about the famous Lady Greensleeves were very popular. They were classic lover's laments, in which the singer moans and cries over lost love. He longs for the day he might win back his lady. Hope springs eternal. Indeed, Shakespeare refers twice to Greensleeves in his play, The Merry Wives of Windsor. Many years later, an English insurance company manager, William Chatterton Dix, found himself at home in 1865, recovering from a serious illness. This illness put him in a spiritual frame of mind, and he wrote several spiritually oriented poems. One of them was entitled, The Manger Throne, and it recounted the Christmas story. Later, excerpts of this poem were set to music and became the Christmas carol we know today as What Child Is This? It's a mystery to this day just who exactly combined the Greensleeves melody with Mr. Dix's poetry. But some believe it might have been composer John Stainer who first published the carol only six years later in 1871.
carol that we now know as Hark the Herald Angels Sing did not uh, start life as such. It required at least four people to bring it to its current form. While there can be no doubt that the marriage of Mendelssohn's tune and the adopted words has been most fortuitous, it's rather ironic that Mendelssohn, while recognizing the value of his tune, felt that it would be unsuitable for sacred words. Similarly, Wesley, when writing the original text, suggested that a slow, solemn tune would fit them best. Now Hark the Herald has become part of the institution of Christmas, and it sounds out some of the most wonderful and powerful theology, musically reminding us that Jesus is the newborn King, the Prince of Peace, Son of Righteousness, Everlasting Lord, Incarnate Deity, and best of all, Emmanuel, God with us. night is the most recorded Christmas song in history with more than 733 different versions copyrighted since 1978. Having been translated in hundreds of different languages and dialects, Stielignacht Heiligardnacht is a simple, loving, tender song resonating even today with the true meaning of Christmas. While we sing this most familiar of all Christmas carols, Let us reflect on the original context of the story. Palestine was occupied by Roman forces. Mary and Joseph's journey to an insignificant village outside of Jerusalem was forced by the census required by Roman authorities. It made no difference that she was pregnant. 
Lodging was denied them several times until they were given shelter in a dank, smelly, dirty stable. Hardly the place to give birth to a child. What meaning does this have for us today? As we sing this carol, 203 years after its first performance, we must not forget that the Holy Family sought refuge in a foreign country within a few years of Christ's birth because their lives were in danger. We sing Silent Night today not as an escape, but in hope and solidarity with the millions who live in poverty, political oppression, and who must forcibly migrate in order to survive. I walk out onto the deck of my cottage, looking up at the great river of the Milky Way flowing across the sky. A sliver of moon hangs in the southwest, and the evening star gently in the curve. Evening. Evening of this day. Evening of my own life. I look at the stars and wonder, how old is the universe? All kinds of estimates have been made, and as far as we can tell, not one is accurate. All we know is that once upon a time, or rather once before time, Christ called everything into being in a great breath of creativity. Waters, land, green growing things, birds and beasts, 
And finally, human creatures. A sky full of God's children. Each galaxy, each star, each living creature, every particle and subatomic particle of creation. We are all children of the maker. From a subatomic particle with a lifespan of a few seconds, to a galaxy with a lifespan of billions of years, to us human creatures somewhere in the middle in size and age, we are made in God's image. And we are, as Christ promised us, God's children by adoption and grace. I stand on the deck of my cottage, looking at the sky, full of God's children, and know that I am one of them.
Our next medley combines two 20th century American holiday favorites. Many Christmas carols are a sign of what was happening in the world at the time they were written and how the writer was feeling about the world. Composer Irving Berlin didn't write White Christmas full of Christmas cheer. He usually spent the day visiting the grave of his three-week-old son, who died on Christmas in 1928, which helps explain the melancholy feel of the song. White Christmas first aired on the radio shortly after the Japanese attack on Pearl Harbor during World War II. And when performed overseas the following Christmas, it reminded homesick American soldiers of their families. Singer Bing Crosby recorded a version of White Christmas in 1942, and it still holds the Guinness World Book of Records for the best-selling music single of all time, with more than 100 million sales around the world. Lyricist Sammy Kahn and composer Julie Stein had to use their imaginations when writing Let It Snow. The two were struggling to endure one of the hottest days on record in Southern California in July 1945. Instead of heading to the beach, they decided to stay inside and write a song that would transport them to the winters of their youth. In spite of the seasonal lyrics, Let It Snow is purely a love song that makes no mention of Christmas other than snow.
probably heard this many times growing up in grade school. Punctuation matters. So one of the things we wanted to tell is tell you about tonight is that our carol reads, God rest you merry, gentlemen. And I remember when I first started singing Christmas carols when I was like six years old. And I thought that was the silliest sentence I'd heard in a very long time. But I didn't care because I sang it anyway. But what does exactly does it mean? Most importantly, where should the comma be? If the comma moves towards the word Mary, guess what happens? We get a warning for overindulgent revelers to just take it easy, cool it. But in reality, the title is a blessing. It's a greeting for others. May God keep you joyful, gentlemen. I am sure the ladies came soon after that with their own comma. 500 years ago, God wished to marry was a common greeting at the part of parting of friends. Oh my goodness, beautiful. There are things that are certain in life. Taxes are due April 15th. Going to the DMV is never a good time. And at Christmas, you will always hear jingle bells. The first Christmas song you learn to sing in school, you know it as well as happy birthday, perhaps better. But how much do you know about jingle bells? 
The Rebellious Carol was written by notorious wild child James Lord Pierpont. He ran away from boarding school as a teen, sought adventures on the high sea as a whaler, and eventually chased the California gold rush. Although Jingle Bells is now a Yuletide staple, there is no mention of Christmas or any other holiday in the song. Some historical accounts report that the tune was first performed as a Thanksgiving service at the church of either Pierpont's father or brother, but the lyrics might have been too risque for an ecclesiastical audience. Given the songwriter's rebellious nature, it shouldn't be surprising that Jingle Bells has a bit of a rebel-without-a-cause attitude. This less-known verses of the song describe picking up girls, drag racing on the snow, and a high-speed crash. Thank you for coming tonight, whether you're here in person or watching via live stream. There's something really wonderful about getting together to sing the great songs of Christmas and the fun songs of Christmas as well. And we hope that this time, this evening, will enhance um, your celebration of this Advent Christmas season. We end our carol sing with Isaac Watts' poetic rendering of Psalm 98, which was not written as a Christmas carol, yet is one of the most beloved songs for the season. And to help us move from the raucous to the sublime, we have a reading from Scotland's Ion community, an ecumenical community working for peace and social justice throughout the world. They have heard it on the hills. They have heard it in the streets. The rumor prevails, and none can contradict it. Some are looking up the prophets. Some are studying the skies. Others speculate or calculate. 
but none deny the facts. Some are dancing back to sheepfolds. Some are traveling foreign roads. Some await more information. Others celebrate the news. In a foreign place, a ruler has imposed a new tax. In a hilly place, an old woman nourishes her new son. In a royal place, an old ruler senses a new threat. And in a busy place, a young couple cope with their new child. At what seems like the wrong time, in what seems the wrong place, among those who seem the wrong people, God has decided to bless, disturb, and visit us. Amen. And now we invite all of you to join us in the atrium for hot chocolate and cookies. But first, if you would please stand and we will all sing Joy to the World together. 